welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, and today we have with us a special guest, and uh, it is none other than Paul Neal. Paul is the founder and principal funding strategist at Vantage Point Commercial Capital, which focuses on helping entrepreneurs and real estate investors win by funding their growth and dreams in non-traditional ways. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you, Barbara. I'm excited about being here with you today. Paul, you mentioned that you help entrepreneurs in terms of the their office space. Tell me, why should people own their own place instead of renting? Well, that's a great question, Barbara. So if you have a local business in an area and it's operating and you've established that business and you have a pretty solid projected future, the question I always ask business owners and entrepreneurs in that scenario is, why do they own the home that they live? There are a lot of common reasons why you do that. You own your own home because A, you want control of the home. You want to decorate it. You want to do with it when you, like you want to. You want a place to call your own. You want to build equity. You want to get the tax advantages of owning a home. And at some point, you may use that home if you move as a retirement investment, as an investment property, or realize a capital gain when you sell. So there are a lot of similarities. So if you own your own business, we can look at some of the same reasons why you should own the building that you're in, just like the decisions you've already made to buy your house. There are tax reasons. There are control aspects. You're building tangible value and equity. In fact, your business can be worth more with real estate associated with it. You can build a retirement income stream out of that property. And there, there are a whole host of reasons, but that's a high level reasons why I would give a, an entrepreneur that they need to buy the building they're in. I see. And do you have any suggestions on how they should fund that? Yeah, I think there are a lot of misconceptions there on how to fund it. I think that's one of the reasons why entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals, doctors, dentists, and so forth, don't make the plunge initially, or they delay, or maybe never in some cases. They'll generally go to the local banks, and most of the local banks are going to want a large down payment, a 20 25% down payment, and in fairly confiscatory terms in terms of loan covenants, deposits, things like that. And so it's a in most people's perspective, it's for a local entrepreneur who is busy running their business, not a finance person. It's It, it can be a problematic concern. If you're going to buy a $2 million building and you need a 20% down payment, $400,000 is a lot of money to just take out of your operating account and plunk down in a piece of real estate. So what we do is we look at the global the global. Um, picture of that borrower, the strength of the actual business, the history, the cash flow. And we have options where uh, we've had investors, business owners get into their building for 0% down, sometimes 5 or 10% down, much lower barrier to entry than they typically run into. And that's generally the thing that stops most business owners. I see. So tell us some examples of people that you've worked with, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. A couple come to mind in, in different scenarios. So just recently, we had an entrepreneur, a client of ours who 
own several restaurants. And these restaurants have been established in a local area in Virginia where we are. They've been in business for about eight years in both locations. And out of the blue, he was renting both business locations. Out of the blue, the owner of the building approached him and told him that he was going to sell one of the locations to, he already had a buyer in mind, and the buyer was not really interested in that particular owner maintaining the restaurant. He had other plans and designs on that building. The seller gave the tenant, my client, the first right of refusal and said, look, if you want to buy the building, then we will obviously sell it to you first because you've been a great tenant over the years. So we were able so you mentioned that this guy was a great tenant and he would be great by the building. What happened then? Yeah. So we worked with him to arrange financing terms. His particular situation, he had some issues, some credit issues, which stopped some people as well. And, and some cash flow issues based upon coming out of the COVID scenario. So we were able to work creatively with him and get outside of the traditional lending environment with some private investors. And we were able to help him secure that property. So he was able to save the property. He now owns it. He doesn't have to move his business and potentially lose a significant percentage of his clientele that he spent eight years developing. Another example would be in your neck of the woods. So we have doctor client friend bought her, her the building that she practiced in about 15 years ago. They have recently paid off the building and she's a- approaching retirement. She was approached by one of these larger medical groups to buy her practice. She decided, Hey, I'm going to sell that as part of my retirement. So she's got a nice exit plan in the next couple of years. But in addition to that, the medical group wants to maintain the building and the location because of all the clients that she has or patients. And so that medical group is going to pay her rent on the building, which she owns free and clear, a nice $10,000 plus monthly income stream on this asset that her business had to live somewhere anyway over the last 15 years. So now that she paid herself and built equity versus renting to some other medical group, now she has this retirement stream in addition to her buyout from the practice and everything that that comes along with that. One final example I'll give you is a lot of our clients will, they will buy or build a space that's actually larger than their own personal needs. And so thinking ahead, they will occupy, say, 50, 60% of the building, and they'll take the remaining 30, 40, 50%, and they'll lease that out to other tenants with the idea of having those tenants pay a substantial amount of the mortgage freight on the property. So they're in a situation where they have a much bigger asset. It's worth a whole lot more than if they just bought a property that fit their own particular business. It gives them the opportunity to grow and expand into that building space if they wanted to over time, or they don't have to because they have tenants that are paying the freight. And so much cheaper than just leasing a space for yourself you don't have to worry about the rents going up every month or every, excuse me, not every month, but every couple of years, you re, you have to resign a new lease and it's always higher. It's never lower. That's- yeah. So just a couple of quick examples on how and why to do that. And it just makes sense, right? Again, I go back to you own your, why do you own your house? Why don't we just all make somebody else rich with, with our monthly dollars? We have to live somewhere. Our business has to live somewhere, Right. Now, I will say this, if it's like an online only, only business and you don't really need a lot of space and all of your employees are distributed and or your business is really on shaky ground, it's probably not a good situation for you to be buying. But again, if you're a professional, you're a vet, you're a doctor, a chiropractor, you're a small business owner that maybe you have a landscaping company or a warehouse, you're doing a lot of warehousing with maybe distribution or whatnot, then why on earth would you rent if you could buy under under very favorable terms?
That's true. One thing that you pointed out earlier that I would like to stress has to do with branding and strength of branding. When you are accumulating your patients from clientele and you're in a particular location, it really doesn't look good for your brand to have to relocate every few years. Yeah, absolutely. And not only looking good for your brand, which is a great point I didn't even consider, but just the people are of habit, right? And so if you have a local practice in an area, you're going to serve that local area. People aren't going to drive, but for so far to come see you. So if you move, you're forced to move out of that, their comfort zone, their space, then they might just look for a different practitioner at that point. Okay. The next thing I'd like to know, Paul, is that, you know, you're not the only fish in the sea. Yeah. And there, you do have competition for what you do. How is it that you promote yourself to get people who don't know about you to know about you and increase your visibility? Yeah, that's a great question. So my thing is, Barbara, I am I'm a serial entrepreneur at heart. And so my, my I studied engineering in college, worked in it for a very short period of time, and have since owned six, seven businesses sold one a few years ago for a nice sum. All of my sphere of influence are business owners and entrepreneurs. That's who I that's who I love to work with. I love professionals entrepreneurs. And I my how I get myself out is I spend my time and energy adding value or attempting to adding value to those people from a business standpoint, giving them inside advice, direction, be a sounding board, helping them grow and overcome any specific challenges they may be facing. Because financing comes along time to time. It's not something someone needs all the time. But I feel as I add value and help other people with their own business based upon my successes and my failures, then then they'll appreciate that. And when the timing comes around with the opportunity for funding, then we're there to help them. Do you also advise professionals on which buildings or locations that they would be better off investing in? Yeah. So I, I don't go there. Again, I can be a sounding board. I'm not in the, I'm not a realtor in the real estate space, but I can give them the financial piece of that and give advice based on what we see in that particular area in terms of cap rates, market returns, and things like that. Do you also help people from the beginning see how it is that they would have their exit strategy or how they would invest so that they would be comfortable at the end? Yeah. We, yeah. One of the key things we talk about always when we meet with a client is not just today, but what are the goals, short, medium, and long-term? What are you trying to accomplish from a big picture standpoint? Because that will impact. If somebody says, I'm retiring in five years, well, then it might not make sense to, to get into the real estate transaction all. But it may if they want to build a diversified portfolio and maybe move some money out of the stock market or whatever and get into real tangible asset. We work with a lot of investors and clients, Barbara, that have invested in residential real estate because they understand that they want to diversify their portfolio. And many of them then start to think, how can I get into the commercial space? Because that's a completely different market. It can be non-correlating. And there's so many sectors in that space that can be attractive at certain points of time and maybe aren't attractive at other points in time. So yeah, we try to give insight and work with each individual based on where they're where they are and where they're trying to go. And again, if anything, to be a sounding board, we don't charge for that. Our goal ultimately is to build a relationship and add value. And if we add enough value and can develop enough trust over time, when the time comes that they need to seek funding, that we will be the source that they would come to first. 
Do you recommend that for every property that someone purchases, they have an LLC for that particular property? It depends, but we don't like the idea of people titling properties in their own personal name for sure. So there are definitely liability concerns. And we generally do like an entity structure. It could be a single, a single unit LLC, could be a series LLC, just based on their particular situation. Okay. What is one tip that you could give professionals listening today that they could implement? Okay. One tip. Best tip I can give you is... Well, you like two better. No, I'm going to give one. You said one. So the tip I would say right now is think, think systems. Think systems. Professionals are doers and entrepreneurs are builders. A lot of professionals are also entrepreneurs, but you can get caught in, in this world of technician work where we're doing the day-to-day -day activity as opposed to building the system that allows that day-to-day -day activity to take place. So if you can build the system, and I will say this, we all have systems in our business, whether we recognize or not, some of them are really bad systems, like how we answer the phone. If it's not predetermined, then it's a bad system because it's depending on whoever answers the phone and however they feel that day. All the way to how do we pay our bills? Are we asking for deposits up front? Or do we have an accounts receivable person who is, after the invoice goes out, is following up in a week to make sure it's received so we get paid on time or early? But what kind of systems do we have in place? So think systems, not tasks, and that will separate you from the day-to-day -day activity in your business buying you freedom. That's a really great idea. Now, for the listeners that would like to further get in touch with you, how can they do so? Oh, great. Yeah. They can come to our website and I'm going to put up or have our team put up a specific page just for this podcast. I've put together a nice a document to help them think through the funding process. It's the key questions that you must ask and answer before you seek funding. And it's a really good process to mentally just go through if you're thinking you need money for something, whether it's expansion or growth or whatnot. But that website address is VPC Victor Paul charlie.capital vpc.capital there's no.com slash podcast dash doctor that will be in the show notes for people who need to actually see that printed out but that was really very generous of you to create that that's a checklist for people to read i'm sure it's going to be extremely helpful so listeners don't forget to click on that url the address digitally and get that checklist and you'll learn so much more that you'll be able to carry forth. Yeah, absolutely. And you could also as well, just go to the website and you can click the red button and schedule a discovery meeting, a discovery call. We have a 15, 20 minute conversation just to find out what you're looking for and to see if you know we have any value we can add in the process. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been great. This is another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.